Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome one and all to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this menagerie of heron liveried stagecoach bandits. Menagerie of heron liveried stagecoach bandits, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. Hello, I'm Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. And this week's fun fact is another about Vander's healing. Vander has begun to practice a particular gesture. To many in the group, that gesture will make no sense, but he's very excited about it. There's been some awesome physical comedy there. Height of professionalism. Abusive circle of friends. But Vander has been practicing a gesture, which will be incomprehensible to most in the group, except maybe for Tok, who has some understanding of these things. Vander's very excited about it, though. And Tok may recognize it as something to do with summoning. As Vander's healing improves, he can almost fully close his hand now. And he's very excited about the prospect of what that may bring. Demons. He's definitely summoning demons. <laughs> he is a demon summoning more demons. demons. Yeah. It. it all makes sense. So for the non-experts, we, we think Vander will soon be able to summon stuff and we have to guess what he's going to be summoning. Uh, I'm going to go an army of killer bunnies. Nice. Solid. Very Monty Python. I'm going to go. We'll probably have to wait till fifth level. <laughs> <laughs> Very talky. Bardle Schultz, so we can get our chef back. <laughs> Not to summon Rosalind. So we even, even when we want Rosalind, we don't summon Rosalind. We summon someone who knows Rosalind. <laughs> Hi, I'm Harry, and I play Tok, an imposing six-foot-eight automaton. And uh, today, Tok has a fact about mimosas. Mimosa hostilis has fern-like leaves, fragrant white flowers, and fibrous reddish-brown bark and wood. It's extremely strong and durable, with natural resistance to fire, pests, drought, and decay. Potent entheogenic properties uh, make it sacred to the shamans of the ancient Katimbo Jurima cults. The last known Jurima trees are located in the elven forests of Lanasil, as its use in the construction of airships sadly led to abrupt deforestation. Absolutely amazing. I mean, he's got law, he's got science, he brought in alcoholic drinks, but as a diversion, perfect. Best fact ever. Rest you suck. I'm so happy that they were uh, called mimosa trees. <laughs> I'm Alex, I'm playing Augustus. And my fact this week is that in the folklore of Denothlia, there's a story told of Augustus's grandfather in a great battle with an orc army, where it's said that Augustus's grandfather's sword actually glowed or even burned. Now, it's not really clear whether that happened or whether that was something that's been added in the retellings uh, of this glorious battle and this great leader. But now Augustus has experienced a flaming sword he never wants to fight with a non-flaming sword again. Oh my god, it's another law, everyone. You guys are amazing. Absolutely wonderful. Three fantastic facts. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Hello, I'm Dave, and I play Benny. Benny's become very fond of Tok, 
the automaton. But prior to meeting Toc in that fateful warehouse, Benny had actually never spoken to an automaton previously, and uh, he was actually quite fearful of them. In Middleton, automatons are frequently used to guard the factories and prevent people, such as Benny, from stealing the the stock or uh, any kind of mechanical materials that might be of interest to the common or garden rogue. So um, Benny would avoid the automatons as far as possible and saw them as threats and authoritarian figures. So he's quite surprised to encounter Toc and grow to like him. Aww. Aww. That's really nice. That's awesome. That's, that's good. A little <laughs> bit of backstory in there. Expressing affection towards one of your teammates, which makes a nice change from calling them acquaintances. Well, it's also undercut one of Alex's previous facts, which I also enjoy. But never. <laughs> so the burn is so deep, some may not even see it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, that was absolutely fantastic. Now, drumroll please, it's time for fan mail. Way! Do you mean a complaint? Always a complaint. <laughs> okay. Inevitably. <laughs> Today's fan mail comes from our first listener, Chris from North London. Chris is back. You mean he's been here the whole time? The whole time. My God. Chris writes, it's lovely to see you all surviving each week, sometimes in spite of your own decisions, but at least you're doing it as a team. This, however, raises a new question. All great teams have a team name. Bardell Schultz has the Ungovernables, a perfect name for a bunch of troublemaking, ungovernable people. So my question to the team is, when are we getting your team name? Well, <laughs> I mean, you could pick from a list, if only we had one. Only there was a list that someone had painstakingly put together. Oh, it's the first time I think I've ever seen you guys stunned into semi-silence. I think we have a fear about our team name. I think I think they, we've we've toyed with the idea a couple of times and then run away from the whole concept. It's clearly important, and we lack the creativity to to get this done. Okay. Team names generally. Do people come up with them in game, out of game? Usually in game. They they usually find a specific event that happens that kind of ties them all together, and then craft a name around that. Maybe we just need that event. Actually, no, I'm slightly worried about what the DM might come up with for that event, though, to be fair. So maybe I'll take that back. <laughs> well, most games are played in, and we haven't had a, a team name at all, but it depends on the campaign. What a sad, barren wasteland those games must be. Again, you've got to work together to have a team name, don't you? <laughs> maybe we should just try that for a bit, then. <laughs> That's the problem. We just haven't been able to find any form of cohesion. So we should just tell Chris from North London to be patient. The time will arise, and the name will be forthcoming. Or just to pitch us, pitch us his ideas. Yeah. It's time for Chris to step up. <laughs> that goes for any listeners. If anyone can come up with a team name, please share it on any of our social media. That's, that's what you get. If you write something that is actually fan mail, we give you complaint mail. We're so uncomfortable <laughs> with the concept. Set you tasks. <laughs> and a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. Next week's chapter is our festive special, which will be released unusually on a Monday, on Christmas Day. After that, we'll be taking our holiday break and returning to regular chapters from January the 23rd. In the in-between period, we'll be releasing a series of special episodes related to the Dice Company adventure, but not part of it. We'll be kicking off with Shadows Before Dawn, a Vander Phoenix story, Chapter 1, on January the 2nd, and then twice each week we'll be dropping other interesting and creative listens. We're all really excited about it, and hopefully you like them too. Then, from January 23rd, we're back to regular programming, and there's going to be some big announcements in the new year. 
So don't forget to check us out on Blue Sky at Dice Company, X at Dice Company Pod, and everywhere else at Dice Company Podcast. Or check us out on our official website, dicecompanypodcast.com. Anyway, that's enough of that. On with the next chapter of Dice Company. It is the 15th of Glatham, five days from the summer solstice. Last time, you concocted a plan of escape from Haven to distract the shadow vanguard Morven and give the villagers a chance to escape on your airship. After a breakneck chase, you made a jump across a ravine, watching as Morven was tackled into a cliff face by Seraphina. Taking refuge in an old abandoned mine of the dwarven people, Benny threw up an illusory rockfall while Vanda and Augustus rested. Tark investigated the local area, and found a large door at the end of a wide tunnel, from behind which he heard the recognisable roar of a manticore. What would you like to do? Uh, maybe get some medicine for uh, Benny if he just threw up an entire rockfall. I'm not going to sit here and be <laughs> criticised for <laughs> grammar. Get him, DM! Get him! Would you make a quick note of that? Talk to die. <laughs> you have lists like that? Goddamn right I do. You're all on it at the moment. Harsh. But fair. I'm going to say, so what do we know about these mines? Do, they, do we know if, um, you know, are they? is it likely to be a tunnel that comes out the other end? Or is it one way in and one way out, same way out? I would imagine that the dwarves will have dug deep, and so there may well be a way through. Well, if, if we think it's likely, then we should probably press on, shouldn't we? Going back doesn't seem especially safe. I agree. I think our path lies in the dark. And Vanda gestures deeper into the cave network. As he says that, I pull out my hooded lantern to cast a small amount of light in front of us. As you do, you'll see Tok walking back from the darkness and he'll uh, explain about the uh, the manticore he's just seen at the door. Heard. Heard at the door, indeed. Um, if you're going to use the English language, yeah. you better be ready to... <laughs> Ton of rocks of me coming down on you, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> um, when he was there, was there any like uh, breeze or anything indicating that there was? I uh, maybe you said there was light, wasn't there? Yeah, there was light coming from behind the door and a gentle breeze as well. Up ahead, there is a dwarven settlement. Large doors. I would advise caution. I heard the growls of a manticore. There was light and a breeze through the doors. This indicates a separate entrance or exit from the cave. Augustus' thinking is to... I, I appreciate we need to go onwards or backwards or something here, but obviously Augustus' thinking is now to get towards some sort of end of our capers for the time being in a warm bed. We are in a cave network, being chased by hundreds of bounders, and on the other side of the door is a giant manticore. I will... Can I do a check for a bed? Who invited the fucking bad news bed? <laughs> <laughs> Your passive ability to see respite uh, tells you that there are no beds available currently. I mean, the man who did an observation check for a chair in chapter one. <laughs> Ooh, feisty. So Augustus, with a flourish, produces his drift globe, which lights up a stern look in the direction of Mr. Van der Finnick. 
Vanda returns the look, questioningly, because Vanda hasn't actually spoken. This all happened. I, this is, oh God, the walls and the fourth wall and it's all breaking. Oh God, I'm going back into character for safety. Augustus winks at Vanda because no one knows what any of that means. Vanda blinks slash winks back. <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, it looks like we're going to have to fight Summit or someone. And I think my vote probably goes for Manticore. But um, give me just a minute. And then Benny walks over to the side of the cave and just leans against the wall. And you see his eyes roll up and go white. And he inhabits Missy and kind of floats, drifts outside the cave just to kind of see what's going on outside in terms of where the bounders are at. Have they gone past? Looking through Missy's eyes, you can see that there are a number of bounder stagecoaches that are rattling past. None of them appear to have paid any attention to the cave entrance or the rockfall that you've created. Or the bird that just flew directly out of the rock. It is nighttime, so... Birds can do that at night. <laughs> <laughs> Mountains become permeable by birds at night. Just add Vander Finnick to the list. Oh. <laughs> What you do notice, however, is a figure on foot who is walking around the area outside the cave. They, they, they don't seem to be paying much attention to the cave itself. It's unusual that there is one person on their own. Do I have an impression of who that is? Does it look like Morven? It doesn't look like Morven. With a gasp, I come back to myself inside the cave and my eyes go back to normal. And I say, well, it looks like most of Bounder's carriage has gone past, but there's someone wandering around outside. I can't work out who it is, but it's pretty strange. What can you tell us about them, Benny? Couldn't make out who it is. Just a hooded figure. Didn't recognise them. Not more than. Would have seen the glowing sword, but... Was it a bounder? No, don't think so. We could attempt communication. Doc uh, turns and looks at um, Bander and said, uh, You possess telepathy, do you not, Bander? I certainly can commune, though I believe our path lies into the mountain. Should we find this person to be some form of threat, we have then alerted the outsiders to our presence here. I find this to be acceptable. Excellent. And Vander gets painfully to his feet, making his way towards the large door to inspect what manner of door it is. As I catch up, I say, what, what sort of shape are you in, Augustus? Uh, I admit I'm tired, Benny, but I can carry onwards. I hope we'd find somewhere safe to rest in the not-too-distant future. All right, grand, grand. Maybe we get moving then. Banda, as you head down the long, wide corridor, before you are two metal-reinforced doors, slightly open, you can see a glowing light and you can feel a breeze coming through them. These are of dwarven make, as far as you can tell, and presumably part of the mine network that you know is beneath these mountains. Okay, so two grand dwarven doors. And slightly open, so I don't need to speak friend and enter. You do not. In which case, I'm going to peer through the doors and see if I can get any idea of what's on the other side. Cool. Uh, firstly, can you give me a stealth check, please? Certainly can. Banda, it may be dangerous. Should we not send Benny? That's actually really very good idea, but I wasn't thinking. So here we are. 13 plus my stealth, which is uh, one, so 14. You peer through the large doors and immediately before you is a wide platform and beyond that stretching out for miles into the distance is a colossal cave the immensity of the space is awe-inspiring with towering rock walls adorned by intricate ancient dwarven machinery now long forgotten and covered in a shroud of dust 
There are molten rivers casting fiery illuminations upon the area, revealing the haunting beauty of this abandoned underground world. It sort of resembles a deserted city, with massive stone archways and platforms that extend into the distance, connected by miles and miles of about 10 feet wide metal tracks, which large minecarts link to various levels and chambers of the mine, while crumbling statues of long-forgotten dwarven lords stand as silent sentinels guarding this abandoned place. Despite the breathtaking view ahead, your attention is drawn to a menacing presence around 200 feet away. The formidable manticore prowls across the series of crisscrossing stone steps, its leonine body and venomous tail belying its threat. So I've discovered a whole underground world. Sorry, let me put that differently. Vanda has discovered a whole underground world. Yes, the team have found an undiscovered <laughs> underground world. Dropping that and the subject for the second, uh, Vanda slides back through the door and makes his way back to the group. Gentlemen, I believe we have stumbled across an enormous, deserted, dwarven city. I can see the manticore in question. He is around 200 yards from the door. My impression is that the city has wide roads, and should we employ our stagecoach, we may be able to rush past the manticore, unless, of course, we wish to kill him. Once again, you glance towards Augustus just in time to see the door of the stagecoach closing and him disappearing inside. <laughs> Vanda's crooked face arranges itself into a smile. Vanda, if we could overcome the manticore, there is a magical item blueprint that would use a manticore pelt as a component. That is useful. Is that what you would like to do? I would find it to be acceptable. And how difficult is it to dispatch such a thing? It is not a feat that I have achieved previously. I would estimate it to be of some difficulty. I would I would argue that, you know, Augustus is struggling. We can see that. I don't know if now's the time to be uh, focusing on magical items. We might be better off just trying to survive. I believe that Benny does have the right of it. I fear we will have to try to rush past the manticore, though it may, of course, still end up in a fight. And if so, Tok, you are, of course, welcome to any treasures the dead manticore provides us. I would find this to be acceptable. And with that, Vanda climbs awkwardly up into the driver's position of the stagecoach. Benny gets in alongside Augustus inside the carriage to take up his previous position from the fight. Hawk, would you mind uh, telling me something about how the reins work? Oh, lame. <laughs> Banders on the list for the second time. Oh. The amalgamated reins of a stagecoach connect to the bits within the horse's mouth. If you pull on the right rein, it will turn the coach right. The left will turn the coach left. You are guided. Ah, yes, I, uh, I see now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you mean animal hand? You can at least wait for me to ask <laughs> for the check before you start the. Do I have to re-roll that? that three no. strikes and you're you out. You don't need to do a animal handling check because you haven't opened the doors. So unless you're riding it directly into the doors, it's not going to work. Uh, yeah. Tok and Tick will open the doors. Okay. At the sound of the doors opening, the manticore turns its head in your direction its glowing eyes fixating on you for a second before its leathery wings beat. It takes flight and flies off away from you. Ah, 
I mean, I don't think that's a good thing. It seems rather ominous. Probably just going to attack from the sky. Sounds like we should make progress cautiously. We don't need to risk tipping the cart into the lava, do we? Maybe, maybe words got down to caverns of our exploits. Now the manticores run in fear. How, how could he know we don't have a team name? Vander lightly tugs on the reins to begin the cart moving. I'd imagine this is the sort of speed that would allow Cock and Tick to clamber on as I progress through the doors. Which they will do. <laughs> when I say sort of speed, I mean allegedly 20 miles an hour. Can I hold an action with my bow as we travel along? Sure. You make your way into the huge colossal cavern. Is the cart's uh, wheels and axles the right proportions to... Absolutely. Interesting. So it's the right grade. Vanda turns to Tok. Tok, is it beyond your artificing to re-equip us with wheels that would allow us to travel on these wonderful tracks? It may be possible. Tok will investigate, so... Would he have to fashion entirely new wheels, or could we attach like a metal plate to the inside of the rim that'll like catch on the sides of the, um, you know, on each inside of the the rails and sort of like provide stop it slipping off essentially? Give me an investigation check. Okay, that is an eighteen. It should be fairly easy for you to fashion metal wheels, especially as there are long abandoned mine carts to the east of your current location. You could very easily over the course of about 40 minutes, remove the wheels from that and reapply them to the stagecoach to allow it to traverse on the track. Okay. Awesome. Tok will uh, say, uh, the wheels may be replaced with minecart wheels. Shall I continue? I would be in favour. It may be best to leave Augustus to rest whilst we do this. I sense he may be less than happy if he finds us messing with his hubcaps. Tok will go and going to get the wheels and uh, and start reattaching to the coach. Banda, keep an eye out for the manticore. <laughs> Banda then just scans the skies. <laughs> okay, Tok will, uh, uh, yeah, will attach new wheels. All the grace and celerity of uh, Formula One team changing tyres. Tok works diligently, actually managing to replace the pristine wooden wheels with sturdy metal ones uh, salvaged from the large minecarts to the east. Uh, the rest of you hear the kind of clanging of tools echoing through the cavernous space. And after 20 minutes or so, they are fully installed and you, you are now able to lift the stagecoach onto the tracks if you wish. I think we will. Give it a go. And it's going to assist for what that's worth. Tok will ask uh, in a loud voice, Augustus. We require your assistance. Very well, Tok, says Augustus, kind of wearily getting down out of the carriage. I've uh, I've stopped holding an action, by the way. I'm just I'm just sitting in the stagecoach now. Well, we'll give it a go. Uh, Tok gets uh, 19. In that case, I'll help by getting out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Such a team player. <laughs> okay, and Tick gets a 21. Nice. Ooh. It's a little bit uneven, but you're able to lift it and move it very carefully, like a little bit at a time, until it clicks into place onto the track. Can I have perception checks from all of you, please? I'm sorry I took my eyes off the manticore. Yeah. 17 for Tok. 15 for Augustus. 22 for Vanda. 12 for uh, Tick. 7 for me. Vanda, while the others are lifting the stagecoach onto the tracks, you see 
just out the corner of your eye, a little blue flash of light coming from the doors that you entered into the cavern from. It's so quick as to be almost imperceptible. And yet I've percepted it. <laughs> and yet you have percepted it. You've percepted it? That's deliberate grammatical fail before I get jumped on. You single-handedly discovered an underground world, and now you've percepted this. <laughs> I know. It will mean so much. But, gentlemen, I think we should go immediately. I can see movement from behind the door, hence we came. Whence we came. There we go. Gary Petzl. Gary, Gary Petzl. <laughs> <laughs> Did the doors uh, open inwards or outwards? They open inwards. We could barricade the doors. It would take moments. I'm for getting out of here as Vander clambers up into the cart. Tok will climb on the cart then. Uh, and Vander's going to... Yeah, uh, Tok will have flashed the old wheels onto the top of the stagecoach so that we don't have problems when we leave this place. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's how the DM was... Yeah, that's an excellent <laughs> thinking. That is good thinking. Does, does anyone have any idea what that blue flash actually was? Do we have any theories? Not a clue, though I'm going to say terrible things. Almost certainly Benny's illusion being dispelled or some other magic, and we should definitely leave right away. If you imagine slighting the DM earlier being turned into literal flame, then that is what it is. Okay, let's not engage on the bees, let's go. Go! And Vanda cracks the reins. Uh, are you guys planning on riding using the horses to ride along the track? The footing is makes that make sense, and it's not like steep slopes or anything, then I guess so. It is possible, is the long and short of it. They're the finest steeds in all the slate home, after all. Yeah, but a minecart tells me, like, down a steep slope. Like, you, you wouldn't normally expect the horses to be, like, chased along by, like, a cart that's out of control. That's why we've got the handbrake on the coach. I was so holding that in reserve. <laughs> <laughs> but Vander's hand is indeed on the handbrake, which all proper stagecoaches have. I'll allow it. Please give me an animal handling check. Wait, you didn't do one before, right? And you guided him previously? Yeah, he didn't actually roll guidance then, did he? He didn't. You may add guidance to it. Ah. And it's a 12. You crack the reins and off you go, following the twisting path of the minecart rails into the long forgotten city of the dwarves. Can I have one last perception check from everyone, please? Uh, 18 for Vanda. 20 for Augustus. Six and an eight for Tokantik. Nine for Benny. Augustus, as you begin your journey, the stagecoach, for a brief moment, sags as if extra weight has been placed upon it. Gentlemen, alarm. Uh, I, I I felt a weight added to the cart. Look around yourselves. Tok, cat totem. Okay, Tok will immediately take the cat totem out and look around through it. Vanda's going to crack the reins at the same time and get us going. So the stagecoach is kind of careering down a dip in the tracks, fast approaching a kind of sto another stone platform ahead of you. Augustus raises the alarm and Tok goes into his bag and pulls out the cat totem. Yeah. You lift it up to your eye and before you, crouched, holding onto the top of the stagecoach, is the Shadow Vanguard Tiara. Oh, shit. She ignites a flaming sword and plunges it into your chest. That is a 19. Tok is going to respond with uh, his shield will burst into a, a brilliant yellow, expanding in size by like four times, covering the whole front of him. It's casting shield, uh, thus it will miss. So the flaming sword clatters into the doubled in size shield as she becomes visible. Alarm, Tiara, the Shadow Vanguard is on the stagecoach. Roll initiative, please. Augustus draws his sword. He just looks from the sword to Benny and back to the sword and like raises an eyebrow as if to say, light me up again, please. 
I've got initiative four, so that's 17. Three for Banda. Uh, 17. 13. Augustus continues to look at Benny, wondering about this light-up sword that he's uh, hoping for. Blame me, Blazer. Benny is completely ignoring this. He's absolutely oblivious to everything Augustus is up to here. Oh. Hawk draws his uh, sword that uh, lights up when he takes out the scabbard. When you talk. I still think it's kind of badass though, right? Shadow Vanguard turns up and instantly goes for a death strike and then your shield expands and goes golden. Awesome. I was, I was trying to like think of a mechanical way of doing it. Like the shield expands in size, you know, like, but I was just like, that just seems silly. <laughs> so magic it is. Top of the round with Benny. I would like to use lean out the window so I can see Tiara on the roof. And I would like to use my mage hand to grab my grappling hook and attempt to wrap it around her legs. Then with my other hand, I would like to pull the rope. You're Idaho James stuff, this. I mean, I have to say yes to it. Uh, I feel like that would almost certainly be a dexterity saving throw from her to avoid being wrapped up by your magical hand. So you have your magical hand summoned. It grabs onto your grappling hook. And while you're leaning out the window, looking up at her, it carries it up and attempts to lasso her. 23. You can attempt to give me a an opposed arcana or strength check. Uh, oh, arcana's good, actually. We'll go arcana. 23, the score to beat. Oh, 22. So a genius plan. Unfortunately, she's able to quickly hopscotch her way over the tied up piece of rope uh, and it falls inertly over the top of the stagecoach. I will duck back into the stagecoach because there seems to be no value in me leaving me hanging out at the side. Sweetheart Tok. I'm going to assume Augustus is going to climb out, so Tok's just going to attack. So uh, Tok is going to uh, use his um, glowing longsword to attack Shadow Vanguard. A 24 to hit. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. And uh, 10 damage. Woof. Tick will immediately also attack with his longsword. Plus 7 to attack. A 17. Does not hit. Ah, interesting. Tok and Tick draw their swords glowing in the darkness and begin to launch attacks at Tiara. She's able to duck out of the way of ticks, but Tox plunges into her side. Tiara, we don't have to fight, you know, robot. Just give me the Matrix. Having said that... Yeah, she tried to plunge her sword immediately into his <laughs> chest. You're just a Matrix with an automaton attached to her. In the way that, like, a person is a, basically a bag of blood to a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> Another good analogous moment for Tok there. She reaches out and grabs you by the arm as crackles of electrical energy begin to emanate around her hand. Okay, in which case Tick is going to use the deflect attack uh, reaction to impose disadvantage on the roll. That is 20. 20 still a hit. She grabs you as the electrical lightning charges begin to crackle through your body, dealing five lightning damage. And then she's going to disappear with a and reappear at the front of the coach. Not good, not good. Augustus. So Augustus is really pissed off at this point. He wants to kick the door open and then leap out, grabbing the top of the door frame and then flip himself up on top of the cart. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to allow you to do that as a bonus action on the understanding you have to do an athletic check to attempt to do it. Yes, that is 15. He kicks the door open, wraps his hands around it, pulls himself up using all of his core strength, 
flips up and lands on top of the stagecoach. For a moment, he wavers, but quickly he's able to steady himself. I'm going to stab her with a rapier, and I'm hoping I'm at advantage because I am behind her. Moves to a flanking position, draws his rapier. So that is 24. Is very much a hit. Please roll for damage. Boing. 10. Augustus, having pulled himself up using his incredible core muscles and flipped into a standing position before sliding in a duelist manner behind her, draws his rapier with a look of a little bit of anger on his face. He just stabs her straight in the back and you hear the wind go out of her. Ah, I see you've met our paladin. Yes. Interesting move for someone who plans to use rebuke the violent any minute now, isn't it? <laughs> Stab in the back. Well, you can't stab someone in the back if they won't face you. Hang on. It's the wrong way around. Let's scratch, strike that from the record. I'll shut up. Vanda. Uh, for my movement, I'm going to try and speed the cart. Uh, sorry, stagecoach. Okay. Give me an animal handling check. 11. With the breath of Tiara on your neck, you begin to crack the reins as the stagecoach speeds up. Uh, and I hear, but don't see, the knife go in her back. Uh, and so for my action... Uh, I'm going to, or Banda will produce his flintlock from under his robes, put it over his shoulder without looking, and just pull the trigger directly up into the face of the Shadow Vanguard. Please, please roll to hit. 13. Uh, it's a miss. I mean, I did put it over my shoulder. You did. I mean, let's count ourselves lucky I haven't hit one of the team. Augustus, having stabbed Tiara in the back, um, you hear the words of Vanda ringing in your ears as the flintlock goes off the blast goes over her shoulder missing her entirely but she does look a little bit distracted by it i was 100 percent sure you were going to say my top hat was knocked off i'm now making a note take his top hat <laughs> <laughs> hadn't even crossed my mind to do that but now it's definitely top of the list wasn't there a character in goldeneye where if you shot the top hat that counted as a headshot baron sandy uh back to the top of the round with benny i am going to lean out the window try to get a, uh, a view of her and fire an arrow. Uh, 25. Hits. Obviously hits. I mean, uh, yeah, it hits. Roll for damage. Five. With the chaotic scene on top of the stagecoach, Benny just casually leans out of the window, knocks an arrow and fires it into her calf. Uh, she is looking a little bit unwell. She needs a saving throw to avoid being pinned. Yeah. And I'm thinking if she gets pinned to the cart, there is an option uh, the, to the carriage. There is an option here to de-carriage and drive the carriage into the lava. Oh. The fact that this suggestion comes from Augustus is maybe the most astonishing. At 22. Oh, well. I'm going to duck back in again. Uh, Tok. Okay, Tok is going to move forwards and um, shove the Shadow Vanguard that is not pinned to the coach uh, back to away, basically away from Vanders. So you need to give me an athletics check uh, contested with her athletics or dexterity. Uh, Score to beat 17. No. <laughs> Tog gets a, <laughs> Tog gets a five. <laughs> uh, you attempt to shove her and she just ducks back, pulls a piece of material off of her arm, wraps it around your hand and pulls you forward and then pushes you back, keeping you off balance. Tick will uh, walk up to the other side and with advantage stab her with a longsword. Roll to hit. That is a 20 to hit. Is a hit. It's pathetic. Damage of three. Three damage. So with a distracted trying not to be pushed off of the stagecoach by Tok, Tick is able to somehow sneak his six for eight form behind her 
and stab her in the back of the shoulder. Realizing that she's surrounded, you see her grip the pendant around her neck as her entire form begins to crackle with lightning energy. And she is going to cast Thunder Wave. My god. Uh, can I have constitution saving throws from everyone who is around her? So that would be Vanda, Tick, Tok, and Augustus. 17 for Augustus. 12 for Vanda. Tok got a an 18, and Tick gets 22. Augustus, Tok, and Tick, can you each take four thunder damage? Vanda, can you take eight thunder damage, please? As I've been struck, Vanda has cast Shield, which, because of my abjuration class, gives me some additional hit points. So of the... How many hit points did I take? You took eight. Okay, so I can get rid of seven like that, so I've taken one damage. But I have been thrown forwards, terrifyingly. You have ten feet. Can I have a dexterity saving throw, please? Eighteen. Ooh. <laughs> As you are thrust forward, still holding the reins, you drop them just in time to reach out both of your hands, which land on the backs of the horses. You are now being supported in midair by the two horses as the stagecoach continues to rattle forward. Oh my god. I'm going to suggest that falling off might cause you to go under the wheels, Vanda. That would be a bad idea. It never happens to Idaho James. She's then going to cast Message into Tok's mind. Tok, you hear, I'm not more than Tok. Give me the Matrix and I'll leave you and your friends alone to do whatever it is you're doing. Uh, Augustus. Augustus will attack with a rapier again. Not at advantage this time. <laughs> uh, so that is going to be a seven. It's a miss. So you attempt to attack, but Tiara is wise to it and just ducks out of the way. Augustus says balls. Vanda. Vanda is going to use his movement to try and get a better purchase on one of the horses. So he's going to try and awkwardly clamber onto one of the horses. You have now, in order to get better purchase, you've clambered on the back of one of the horses. So you're effectively riding the horse. I am now riding the horse, yes, with my Inverness cloak flapping out behind me. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. What's the Inverness cloak thing? Is that Sherlock Holmes? It is, yes. What's Sherlock Holmes called in if Idaho James is Indiana Jones? Hemlock Apartments. Apartments, yeah. Hemlock <laughs> Apartments. <laughs> I mean, I would not read those books. Hemlock Condo. I certainly would not purchase a flat there. Just like my the detective I love, Hemlock Condo. Well, actually, Hemlock, Hemlock House works much better. <laughs> yeah, we can have Hemlock House. <laughs> and then he's going to, in his fine Inverness cloak, turn over his shoulders and a hand lashes out at the Shadow Vanguard. He casts Kinetic Shove, but I'm going to try and pull her into the driver position and thereby take her out of combat with as many of the group as I can. Constitution saving throw. That is an 18. Spell save DC? 15. 15, yeah. So you attempt to pull her out of combat, but she does not allow herself to be pulled. Damn it. Back to the top of the round with Benny. So um, leaning out the window, I can see the peril that Vander is in. What I would like to do is use my mage hand to try and gently pull back on the reins and try to draw the cart to a stop. Very nice. Give me an animal handling check, but add your arcana proficiency as well. Uh, so that's 17. Controlling the mage hand, the invisible spectral hand floats through the air, grabs the reins and begins to gently pull back as the horses begin to slow. And then I will use my main action to attempt uh, another arrow shot. Uh, that's 11. Is a miss. So the arrow whistles over her shoulder. And I duck back inside. Tuck. 
Tok will attack at advantage with his uh, longsword. That is a 25 to hit. Yes, that is a hit. Please roll for damage. <laughs> you sure You sure that's a hit? Oh, don't test me. And uh, he rolls a 12 for damage. And then Tick will also attack with advantage. Rolling, uh, I don't think that's enough. That's going to be a 16. It isn't. So this time she's able to duck out of the way of Tick's attack, but gets struck with Tok's sword of Tok. Okay, then Tok will move to the, to the uh, driver's seat position, thus blocking off any uh, view of Banda and uh, giving Augustus advantage in any other attacks. Tiara is furious that you haven't responded to her message clearly as she draws back her sword ready to strike. Tick is again going to use this reaction to uh, cause disadvantage. Okay. That is an 18, so 24. That's a hit, and I, that's beyond my shielding capability. Please take 12 fire damage and 6 slashing damage. Good grief. Uh, so that's 18 in total. Tick looks something somewhat worse. Uh, Tok looks somewhat worse for wear. He's still on his feet. Uh, so I would like to use my channel divinity, Rebuke the Violent. Immediately after an attacker within 30 feet of you deals damage with an attack against a creature other than you, you can force a reaction. You can use a reaction to force the attacker to make a wisdom saving throw. So on a failed save, the attacker takes radiant damage, radiant damage equal to the what they've just dealt, or otherwise it's half what they've just dealt. She got she rolled a two, so that's five total. Okay, so she takes the same damage she just dealt, which is what, 12, he said? A 18. 18. 18. Wow. As she hits Tok with her flaming sword, Augustus raises his non-sword hand, just the fingers of it, just, you know, almost subtly, and there's a flash of light, and you can see the damage bounces back and damages her just as much as it's damaged Tok. It does, and she she falls to one knee, having, like, holding her, clutching her chest, you see her pale skin sweat pouring all over her and she looks in absolute agony. And for the first time, you see fear in the eyes of a shadow vanguard. That was beautiful. I mean, I wish Tok didn't have to take so much damage to, uh, to empower your attacks. But... Um, and as a bonus action, she is going to disappear in a puff of smoke and reappear inside the cart. Can I shout? Can I shout? She's in here! She's in here! Augustus. Augustus is going to basically chest slide across the top of the cart with his rapier in his right hand extended. And as his chest slides off the side of the cart, he's going to catch the top, the edge at the top. I'm hoping there's like a rail there. <laughs> this is going to go badly wrong. He's going to catch that with his left hand. So he swings in under the cart. And so as he arrives in the cart, you know, goes through the door or the window underneath, he's going to like use that as like a slingshot to stab his sword into the Shadow Vanguard. I'm going to give you the choice of either doing an athletics or acrobatics check to attempt to do it. If you are successful, then you may attack at advantage. If you fail, however, but well, let's worry about that at some point. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to go athletics and is 20. It works. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so badass. So angry, he basically diving slides across the top of the stagecoach, hooking his left hand while his right hand holds the rapier out. He ducks underneath as he, his legs go over the top of him. He flips under, in through the door, into a forward roll and jabs his rapier forward at Tiara. The human spear. <laughs> Please roll at advantage. Oh, horrible. Uh, so that is 14. 
is a miss. Oh, oh man. Having forward rolled, he stabs the rapier forward in a classic duelist strike, but it just buries itself in the side of the stagecoach as the terrified <laughs> Tiara looks on in shock at what's happening. He just flies past and hits the far wall like a dart. Vanda. I take it the cart is kind of, the coach has been slowing down to a stop. Correct. So I'm going to start with movement. The coach slows to a stop. Vanda climbs off the horse and then makes his way round to the window. As he walks, he reloads his flintlock, the empty cartridge striking the ground as he makes his way round to the carriage door. Making the door, he wheels the flintlock up pointing it through the door and directly at the shadow vanguard and says, their evasion is punishable by death. And then fires the gun again. Roll at advantage, please. So that's a 13, 14, 15, 16. It's a miss. Oh, what is happening? You go through all of that. You you know, the, the cool flicking of the chamber, filling it up, strolling around, open the door. You say your line. You pull the flintlock up and it just blasts a hole in the top of the stagecoach. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Vanda. One eye turns apologetically to Augustus. I mean, yeah, I don't know what state Augustus. Augustus is sort of in a, I don't know what you'd call a pose, with a sword extended in one hand as if he's just thrown himself at the wall. Well, there's twice. There's two very, very cool moments there that the dice gods have decided. Fuck these guys. I mean, I'm, I'm firing essentially a shotgun at less than 10 feet's range and I have hit Nothing but sky. My cart, actually, carriage. Nothing important. Bastards. Back to the top of the round, unbelievably, with Benny. Benny is feeling slightly panicked at the prospect of hand-to-hand combat with the Shadow Vanguard. Does not seem like his forte in any way. But he's also noticed the fear that appeared to be in her eyes when Augustus came flying through the window. So he has an idea and he twists the ring on his finger and then gestures to his left. And when she looks that way, Tiara can now see in the corner of the carriage her twin brother, Tavish, covered in blood much as he was in Gearhead's workshop. And then Benny uses his evade action to dive out of the cart and onto the floor. Not quite sure what that's going to achieve, but it's best I got. And she looks petrified. She looks like all of her nightmares are coming true at once. She's being shot at, stabbed at, and now she sees the reanimated ghostly spirit of her dead twin brother does she think we've been carrying him around all this time i think she's not going for a lot of like logical thought at this point would you remember what gearhead did to him as well i mean think about what the visage you've just cast here that is absolutely appalling what's your idea chuck just a a puddle of gore with a name tag on the top (laughs) (laughs) shadow vanguard i'm imagining it's a uh it's an image that's burned into Benny's memory fairly fairly accurately, so it's easy enough to summon it up. It takes her a second to work out what it was, because it's just a pool of blood until she reads the name tag. <laughs> and just well, just to sum this up, we've had Augustus swinging through the window like a kind of sword-wielding monkey, and then <laughs> stroll up and fire a shotgun at her. <laughs> Another guy has created this vision of a of her dead brother and then dived out the door and our sweetheart slash sociopath the scariest person in the group is about to arrive (laughs) Tok okay so Tok's fairly injured fortunately he just saw a hole open up in the top of the stagecoach so he's going to walk over to that hole judge this time for when Tiara's head is beneath the hole 
and then he's going to stab his longsword down into the top of her head. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to allow it. I mean, how can I not? It's too good. It's too good. Is it narratively possible for Vander to make that seem deliberate? <laughs> I mean, how you tell the story after it happens is your business, not mine. Expect a hell of an attempt coming up. Uh, so that is a 21 to hit. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Oh, amazing. Uh, that's a terrible damage roll. Uh, seven um, damage. From above, a sword from Tok just plunges into the top of her shoulder and you just see blood splattering everywhere as she shrieks in pain. Just like pure terror and adrenaline in her eyes. She has... This is a shadow vanguard, but she's behaving like a small child who is having all of her nightmares come home at the same time. I mean, she's not wrong, is it? I, I'm starting to wonder who the bad guys are. Tick will use the repair ability on uh, Tok because he's rather damaged. 12 hit points recovered. The absolutely petrified Tiara, surrounded on all sides, grabs the pendant around her neck and she says, nothing is worth this. And with a wave of her hand, a blue door appears in the stagecoach. And she rolls through the door and the door closes behind her. Vander looks down at his flintlock as if something might be faulty, then turns to Benny and says, Good dive. Thanks. Thanks, Vander. Yeah, I was um, inspired by Augustus chucking himself through the window and diving at her. Good grief. That was quite something, wasn't it? I have to say, I rather liked your psychological tricks as well. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're rubbing off on me. That's a worry, isn't it? We can hope, as Vander stows the flintlock. Uh, Augustus looks between these two terrifying wizards and thinks, it is a worry, really is a worry. Benny says, how are you doing, Tok? You looked, uh, you're looking a bit bru bruised and battered there. Indeed, I have sustained damage. Tick is affecting repairs. Okay, good stuff, Tick. We should remain vigilant. There is a manticore currently in this cavern. My God, there is, isn't there? Yeah, you're right. Benny, I was wondering if you might summon Missy. I struggle to see ahead of me in the coach and I may be able to use her to light the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, Augustus will also it will release the drift globe and get it to float, you know, depending how bright it is, kind of ahead of the horses at the like, right distance to not dazzle them, but to show the way. Fine, so we'll basically move like one of those weird toothy fish that live in the deep sea, you know, they've got like a anglerfish. And, yeah, well, exactly. The, the, coach is, the, the coach is now an anglerfish. And we are the teeth. I'm going to use a hit dice there. We're out of combat. Go for it. Cool. Five hit points back. That's better than nothing. Okay. Tok and Tok will be back on the top of the coach and we'll draw, have their swords drawn and prepared. With Missy flying down to Vanda, Vanda casts prestidigitation on her to give her a glow. So now when she flies ahead of us, we can have some idea of where we're going. So as you're quickly healing your wounds, casting prestidigitation... Oh, yeah. As you make the raven glow, Tuck, you hear in your head Tiara speaking, and she says, If you like this cave so much, you can die in it. You feel a deep rumbling from around you as if the whole cavern is shaking. The noise is emanating from the entrance where you first came into the cave. Shall, shall we hurry? Yes, gentlemen, back on the cart. Vanda, are you fit to drive? I can manage, Vanda says, clambering appallingly painfully up into the driver's seat. That's fine. Augustus gives him a boost and, yeah, dives in the car. <laughs> 
after that, assuming we're still going, uh, Tok will relay that information and say, um, Tiara made a telepathic threat about the cave. I fear the rumbling may be a cave-in. In that case, I suggest we continue our trek into the unknown, Vanda says from the position of the driver. All aboard. Shouts, go, go, go. With a crack of the reins, you're off. Yes, Tok. Can Misty perceive any exits to this cave? Very good question. I will, uh, I'll have a proper look and, uh, I sit back in my, my chair and allow myself to inhabit Misty. Missy, excuse me. So your eyes roll back into your head as you inhabit the glowing raven, which begins to swoop around in the massive, cavernous, empty, abandoned city that you're in. And she swoops around first off back to where you began and you notice that the entrance has been completely caved in and she swoops around there are a number of other cave-ins in the near vicinity which look like they could have been exits as far as you can tell there is no way out when i come back to i i'm sort of shouting through the roof because there's now a nice hole for communication which is helpful i say um spot of bother there is there is no sign of any way out. A lot of cave-ins. Well, on the bright side, that hole I cunningly made is already proving useful. Yes, yeah, so swings and roundabouts, really. Not quite sure what our next step is, to be honest. Well, if we can't get out, no one can get in. It appears to me it may be time for us to rest. I would find that to be acceptable. Yeah, maybe it's a good idea to gather ourselves a little bit then before we press on. Did someone help me down? Tok will, uh, Tok will help <laughs> Fanda get down off the stagecoach. Tok, I was wondering if you might look over my flintlock, he says, producing it from his robes. The sights appear to be faulty. I know this because I am, of course, a dead shot. But, Vanda, you are still alive. This is true. If you could just check the sights for me. I would find that to be acceptable. Vanda hands the flintlock over. <laughs> <laughs> Having pulled the stagecoach to a stop, you find yourself in near a collection of abandoned buildings, uh, varying in sizes, but mostly pretty big. There is a large slab of stone just ahead of you. In it are carved dwarven runes. Does anyone speak dwarven? I believe that... Oh, no, he doesn't. I do. Ah. You're... Your one language, Vanda, I suspect, other than common, sort it, of. It may well be. Uh, Vanda produces, he's running low on chocolate, so he produces the wrapper and gives it a lick. Oh, God. As he hobbles over to the stone work and begins to read the runes. Oh, I just need to gather myself for a second. Lick. Um, having licked the wrapper completely dry clean of any chocolate so you can't do it again Evander, <laughs> as you're looking at the dwarven runes this is this doesn't look like an official designation it looks like someone has basically hastily carved this into a large stone it reads verokir v-e-r-o-k-k-i-r which you know to be dwarvish for city of the dead that's eaten by dwarf zombies 
quite possibly. Slightly better than I thought today was going to turn out, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look around for any other... I, kind of my thinking here is that maybe this is a warning left by someone as they left a dying city, as it were. So is there any uh, kind of clue as to what may have happened here? You can give me an investigation check. Oh, it's not great. Uh, that would be a nine. As you look around, you find remnants of what appear to be a hastily exited city. There are boot prints heading in all directions in a kind of chaotic manner. And there are even old pieces of parchment hidden under a layer of dust. As you pick them up and shake them off and look, they're scrawled in Dwarven and they read, there are a series of warnings that say, get out, they're coming, this is the end. Gentlemen, I fear that we may not be safe here as I originally thought we might. These scriptures tell of an unnamed terror that must have killed many of those who lived here. We should think very carefully before we rest. I'm sorry, Augustus. Oh, don't be sorry, dear Vander. What do you recommend? I recommend an immediate plan to get us out of this death trap. What I lack is the plan. Just <laughs> a small detail. <laughs> we could attempt to dig out the cave-ins. We could attempt to find an alternative exit. It's possible the Manticore has a different exit than the ones we have discovered. That suggests to me a, an exit of an aerial capacity, perhaps. Maybe Missy could fly across the cave's roof. I mean, it's worth a try. Yeah, and Augustus will also get the drift globe to fly around, you know, if, if it's possible, we'll just kind of go around looking for possible exits via that. How, how big is this cave? It's, it's the size of a city. Is Many hundreds of miles. It, it goes on almost seemingly for forever. It's, it's like literally like a city under the ground. But d does that not mean we can just carry on through it? Because we obviously haven't really explored it for exits. You just mean the, the near end that we came in from is all caved in. Can we not just go on, stay on the tracks and basically try and save the stagecoach? Yeah, you can absolutely <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, obviously it's all been about saving the stagecoach, who is in fact, this is the, the whole thing is about that. So in which case, gentlemen, I think we can still proceed and hope that on our travels, we come across a new way out of this place. I do suggest we don't linger here, though. I fear if we do, it will be death for all of us. Yep, Augustus is back in his comfy seat. Um, as they go along, Tox's going to press his uh, Obsidian Matrix uh, wrist button. Do we, do we get Wi-Fi down here? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to ask his Apple Watch what we should do. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he's going to ask uh, Obsidian Matrix, is there reference to a city of the dead? in the Dwarven culture, in the area where tourmaline stones are mined. After a brief moment, you hear a voice that you haven't heard before responding to you. Step lightly, and find the golden link in the ever-shortening chain. The light shall give the dark of the matter, and new paths shall open up to you. That was less useful. <laughs> Are you that person that talks back to the screen when you're looking at Wikipedia? Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Vant is standing meekly by the uh, head of the stagecoach waiting for someone to lift him back up into the rider's position. This is quite demeaning. Um, Tick will do that. Thank you, Tick. And Vanda takes up the reins. Can I have survival checks from everyone, please? Oh my god. Can't starve to death down here uh, that quickly, can we? A 23 from Vanda. A one from Tok. 
It's been a really rough day for Tark, hasn't it? Uh, 15 for Benny. 16 for Augustus. As you reboard the stagecoach and begin to head further into Verokir, uh, Vandy, you find a spot not that far ahead of you that actually appears to be in a rather safe position. There's stonework over the head, over the top of you. And as you pull the stagecoach in, you know that you could stop here and probably make camp for the night and it be a safe location, free of attack. Good enough for me. Uh, Vanda pulls the stagecoach to a, a calm stop. Gentlemen, this is as close to succor as I believe we are likely to find in this dark place. I suggest we do rest now, despite the dangers around. It appears the entrances to this building are too small for a manticore to gain entry. I would find a rest acceptable. Then we need to set a watch, though. Indeed. Tick and myself will watch. Thanks, Doc. I don't like it down here. It gives me creeps. Bander is sat again at the edge of his seat, waiting for someone to take him down. <laughs> Doc will again help. Why don't we sleep inside the carriage? A sound plan, as we may need to move quickly should something take place. Panda's going to tend to the horses. And while he's doing that, Augustus, as you're looking around the area, you can see very faint bioluminescent type glows from the corners of the room. A closer inspection reveals that there are a, a number of mushrooms uh, that are glowing in a kind of pale yellow colour. Are there any reindeer? <laughs> Okay, can I discern whether these might be useful at all? I'm guessing glowing mushrooms probably don't constitute food, but they might be useful for something else. Give me a nature check. Twelve. These are a type of mushroom or fungus that you, you don't recognise, but from the smell of them, they seem quite they seem relatively safe. They're probably gonna taste terrible, but in terms of actual sustenance, they could probably provide it. I think Augustus will, despite being tired, he'll leave the mushrooms alone, I think, for the time being, if he if he hasn't discerned any other possible uses for them. But he will, despite being tired, make an effort to put a decent kind of meal together for everyone because he's aware that morale is quite low. I think we might even have a barrel of ale, do we? So in, in terms of the mechanics of the game, I'm going to say you guys have got 10 days worth of food and a barrel of beer. Fine. So uh, Augustus says... Uh, Benny, would you object if I opened the barrel of ale? I suspect we could all benefit from a steadying drink. Our automaton friends aside, of course. Yep, go right ahead. I think that would probably do us a little bit of good. Okay, so Augustus plays Rosalind, gets a good old spread of food and tankards of ale all round, and then kind of pauses and looks at Tok. Tok, is there anything I can do for you to help you recover your spirits? Indeed, if you observe any tourmaline stones upon the ground in this city. If you would inform me, that would raise my morale. Of course, Doc, I certainly shall. Does Augustus know what tourmaline stones look like? Toc will show you an example. He's got one in his hand. Uh, what, is it, what does it look like, Dom? Uh, it's just like a smooth pebble, grey pebble. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Augustus will fly his drift globe around this room just to, you know, begin that process, you know, just in the, to show a bit of willing to keep his eyes open for those uh, Tock will investigate the room, see if there's light. Cool, give me an investigation check, unless anyone wants to help him, in which case you can have it at advantage. Well, yeah, we, we, I was sort of looking too, so I'll, I'll help Tock. Ugh, but I rolled terribly. Um, that is a 13. All you're able to find is an old wooden cup. Looks very unremarkable. There's almost nothing in here. You found the grail! <laughs> <laughs> it's the grail! 
You're the penitent man. <laughs> no, you chose wisely. <laughs> Where's old Idaho when you need him? He's always here. I, I've gone with it. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in my the wrong guise. And you catch me out of wardrobe. <laughs> so I'm gonna snooze in the carriage. Vander holding his cup of mead gestures to Augustus to join him at the mouth of the warehouse. Uh, are they like the door of the warehouse? Yes, yeah. Looking out. Uh, yeah, Augustus gladly, gladly joins him and, and we're sort of looking along a sort of rail track that runs through this big cavern. Vander looks over the effervescence that dimly lights the many miles of cavernous houses and city structures that make up the cavern. You can't deny it, can you? There is a form of beauty in the desolation. Yes, I find myself surprised to agree with you, Vander, despite all the rather unbeautiful things that have happened in the last few hours. We have indeed come very close to death. Yes, I wonder whether death might still lurk in this cave, either behind us or perhaps more worryingly ahead. I get the sense that death is all around, but... There are good things to be had too. I believe we advanced the mission of the Heron considerably this evening. How so, Vander? The people of Haven will likely have escaped. Morven has been thwarted. In that, he saw our carriage with the livery burst through his troops and make it to safety. I would say this will be a story that is told for many miles in all directions. I agree, Vander. I'd like to hear it told. Perhaps we can assume our disguises and find our way to an inn if we get out of here and listen to the, the way word spreads. Something tells me we will find our way out of here. And Vander again looks over the city and the many empty houses. We do need a plan, though. That will take some thinking. And Vander turns and walks back into the warehouse towards the group. Well, I'm gonna gonna wander over to Tok and just say, "How are you? How are you getting on, Tok?" I have repaired the damage that I sustained during the fight with the Shadow Vanguard. That's good. Something tells me we might need to be on top form in order to get out of here. You said you said the Shadow Vanguard spoke to you, but we didn't hear anything. How, what did you mean? It was similar to the mental messages that Vander sends occasionally to irritate us. <laughs> I suppose it stands to reason she might have that sort of ability as well, doesn't it? Indeed. The Shadow Vanguard and the Rojan appear to have similar abilities. Is there a link? You know what? I don't know. That might be something worth finding out about, might it? Indeed. Uh, Tok will again press the uh, Obsidian Matrix button and uh, uh, ask it. Query Obsidian Matrix. What is the origin of the Shadow Vanguard? <laughs> You're getting the spinning loading bar. Yeah, I was going to say, through Don for a... Uh... <laughs> and the same voice you heard before responds. No creature is individual, entirely of itself. All life is but a piece of nature, a part of the whole. If a cod be washed up by the sea, you are the less. Any loss of life systems diminishes me, because I am part of that system, and therefore... Never claim to know silence when a tree falls. It falls for thee. I believe the information is not contained within the Obsidian Matrix. Perhaps Vander will be able to assist. Yeah, maybe he will. Might be a question of how, how to ask him, though, mightn't it? I'll think about that. I'll have a bit of a ponder. 
Thanks, Tok. You are welcome. And Tok, you know the whole jumping out of the airship thing? Yes. Next time, maybe just talk it through with one of us first, because I know that people are strange and they, they say stuff, but sometimes they say stuff they don't mean, and you can usually just sort this thing, this kind of thing out without going to such extremes. So just, just come and talk to one of us and we can work it all out. Because we're a, seems like a strange thing to say, but we are we are a team to a greater or lesser extent, and we can we can sort these things. You are correct, Benny. I find humans to be perplexing. Yeah, me too, Tok. I will endeavor to follow your greater wisdom. All right, good stuff. Anyway, I'm going to try and get some rest. I think it's going to be a long day tomorrow. I will keep watch. Thanks, Tok. As night falls and the members of the group go to sleep and Tick and Tok stand sentry, they see Vanda practicing a particular gesture in the dark. And just once or twice, they see a small flicker of light as something happens as he's able to close his hand all the way. And surrounded by the glow of the magma rivers, the drift globe, and the warmth of friendship, you settle down in the abandoned dwarven city of Verokir with no way out but going forward. And we'll end it there. Absolutely lovely. Aulia, lovely. Inspiration for Aulia. <laughs> uh, and also, level up. Congratulations. Oh, amazing! Uh, that was awesome. I actually really liked your move as well, Shags. The uh, <laughs> conjuring her dead brother diving <laughs> out of the coach. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> diving out the door. Would it, like, just imagine someone doing that. You'd be like, should I be looking at the dead thing or the person who's going out the door? Like, it's just a, the whole thing's just really unsettling. <laughs> oh, I really was planning on bowling through the doors. Or does that is that uh, just a great way to give your horses? You would kill the, the horses and the cars <laughs> and probably yourself. Why would you ride into steel reinforced massive doors? <laughs> because it would look cool, or am I just really off point with that? Yeah. And I'm thinking if she gets pinned to the cart, there is an option uh, the, to the carriage. There is an option here to de-carriage and drive the carriage into the lava. Oh, the fact that this suggestion comes from Augustus is maybe the most astonishing. So it, it is unable to pin her to the stagecoach. Oh, thank goodness. There might not be horses on the map, but there are horses attached to the coach that you'd have to have to do, try and drive into lava. Extremely expensive horses. I've told you time and time again that Augustus is an aristocrat. Therefore, animal rights do not feature high in his list of concerns. Just in case the, the, the listeners hate me now, I'd just like to point out that the bloke playing Augustus is a vegetarian. Uh, I've seen our drive horses into lava before. Yeah. <laughs> and then eat them. <laughs> Al's channel divinity doesn't come off, scoring the insane 18 damage. We are... Yeah, that that was absolutely monstrous. Yeah, talk, I got down to two hit points. So, one more hit. Oh, I'll get you next time. Never correct my grammar again. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.